Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rattledge, that's me, Rattledge Broadcasting Premier Podcast. Damn you, Hollywood! And I'm your host, the mandated reporter and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And we are down one Robert Winfrey tonight, who is normally the host of this here show. So I am taking over, and tonight we're going to get classy. Yes. We're going to get dignified. We are we are going to be talking Downton Abbey, a new era. And I am joined by a uh, an appreciator of the British culture. Somebody who binged the entire series and dragged me to not one, but two movies. Ladies and gentlemen, my lovely wife, star of The Long Road to Ruin for Twilight. And the long road to ruin for Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely an authority on all things crap. Ladies and gentlemen, Melissa Yeah, that's why I'm married to you. Hey, uh, the crazy guy over there with the... uh... (laughs) Listen, I'll make the jokes around here, madam. Melissa Rattlet. Hi. I'm good. How are you? How's it going in the next room? Pretty good. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. Nice and comfy. Um, Good. We will be joined shortly by David Wright, who it's been it's been May Day's year. David Wright has been on like every show in the month of May, and this is his last one, I believe. So he will be joining us momentarily, uh, as he is also into all things British. Quit looking at your phone. Um, Let me. I'm (laughs) doing something. Yeah, I'm sure you are. So if you can uh, pay attention to the show you're on for just a moment. So tell me your uh, history with the Downton Abbey uh, IP. You know, I, I talked about you watching the show. We watched the movies. But, like, how did you find out about it? Who told you? What did you end up thinking about the show, et cetera? So as a teacher over the summers, I have Don't a lot get drink of every time she says teacher, by the way. I have a lot of downtime. <laughs> and uh-huh. in the summers my teacher friends will always talk about shows that we want to watch over that break. Mm-hmm. So our mutual, very good friend, Elizabeth. Yes. <clears throat> Elizabeth, who was on a triple feature last year where we focused on musicals. Yeah. Now in the archive plug, plug. She was the one who actually was like, Oh, I have a show for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you have to watch Downton Abbey. And she warned me. Now, she was like, Now at that point, how many times did you watch the big bang theory all the way through? Oh, like a million. Right. Okay. We were, we were on our millionth rewatch of The Big Bang Theory. All four. Yeah. I mean, seasons. like, look, that's what I watch every night before I go right. to bed. It doesn't okay. matter. And how oh. many times had we gone through Friends at that point? We were up to five million. I don't watch that one as much. Okay. I don't. I like it, but that's not that's not my comfort show. My comfort show is Big Bang Theory. So one of your friends suggested maybe not watch the same show for the 500th millionth time. Yes. But little okay. did she know she started a new addiction. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> She's really good about that, actually. She's the one who got me down to Abby. She's the one who got me on Rain. She's the one who got mm-hmm. me on the Tudors. She's 
You got well, okay. Can you can you let, let's go back? What order did these go in? Okay, what was the first when you when you stopped watching The Big Bang Theory? What was the first British show you watched? And then how did we? And then where did Downton Abbey fit in? Downton Abbey was the first one, and Downton Abbey of the ones I just said is the only British one. Oh, okay. Because Rain is CW. Okay, so when I, when I mean British, I mean like takes place in I don't know. Europe. Oh. <laughs> All of have, having to do with the British people other somewhere. than Big Bang Theory and Friends, do I watch anything that doesn't take place in in the? That's what I'm saying. Europe? Okay, so so you started with the Big Bang Theory. You started with um, Downton Abbey. Abbey, and then what was the next one? Uh, the next one was Rain. Rain. Okay, and you watched and that was on the CW. And how many seasons was that? Four or five. Okay, and then what was the next one? Um. Then I got into oh the Tudors. Okay. When did you get to the rapey one? Outlander? Outlander? Yes. <laughs> when is because I feel like that that ended this streak for you. It's like you're like, like what summers ago. Yeah. And okay. actually I need I keep being told that I need to finish it. I, I just when they got to the United States, I just didn't care anymore. I wasn't interested in it anymore. <laughs> um I don't want to watch no American Americans. <laughs> yep, exactly. Right. Take me back to Scotland. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to Downton Abbey here. Tell me about the show. Um, you watched all the seasons of it. Uh, what did you like, didn't like? What was the big hook for you? Um, so what I love about it is you, you've got these parallel stories. You've got the upstairs, the, the elite, and you've mm -hmm. got people who really run the house and watching how their lives interconnect with one another and watching mm -hmm. how, you know, these, these servants who are supposed to be invisible um right. aren't and for you know the members of the household they there's you know everybody has a special place and mm -hmm. i i just loved the story i loved how i could be watching it in one minute it's like making me smile and maybe not laugh because it's not funny yeah um, but like it'll make me smile because i like what's happening and then like literally five minutes later i'm ugly crying in the corner um yeah. because there's just always some tragic thing Hey, speaking of ugly crying in the corner on Damn You Hollywood, David Wright is with us. How do you do, sir? I'm good, thanks. I'm not ugly crying in the corner. No, really, I'm not. <laughs> Just something in my eye. <laughs> okay, okay. Robert's not here tonight. It'll be it'll be okay. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, thanks. Once I found the right chat to be in. <laughs> Fantastic. That's because um, Mark has, what, 50 of them? And you're probably in 48? That's a bit of a conservative estimate, but sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm I, look, I live with him. I hear the phone. I have an empire to run, people. Anyway, <laughs> David was with us last week when we reviewed the first Downton Abbey uh, movie. And you can go back in the archive and listen to that. We talked a lot about how the first movie felt like a long episode. And in our prosecution and defense of such things, we talked about, you know, does a long episode of television really... Uh, amount to what should be a feature length motion picture and we batted that around you can check that out uh from last week's show david also talked about results say yes <laughs> well <laughs> anywho um i stand by what i said <laughs> um david also talked about his history with the show so you can check it out there we were just chatting up here with melissa about her uh experience with the show so real quick back to melissa you're just like you're 50 word or less review of the first movie. What did you think of it? Again, my contention at the time was it's not great in terms of what should be an event picture, a feature length motion picture, just something like felt like a long episode of television. Um, but I guess 
if that's what you want and you're not as critical as I am about movies, it was probably fantastic. What did you think of the first movie? Melissa. Oh, I thought you were talking about David. No, I already had a whole podcast to talk about that. <laughs> what yep. did I think of the first one? Um, I liked it, but... I'm about to come in the room and take your phone away from you. I wasn't on my phone. <laughs> I take honestly drink, thought you were talking to David. Take a um, drink every time she sticks her tongue at me tonight. No, there's not enough alcohol. Um, <laughs> but it, was, it, it was fine, but mm -hmm. for me, it took some weird turns and like there were weird mysteries and like things they were going after and it was kind of those words I liked it and it but it was it was a long episode and it kind of was it was I mean I loved it because it was Downton Abbey but it was kind of meh it was kind of nice to be in that world again but it wasn't a it was nice ride. to be in the world but the story was not as good as they've been okay all right, so let's get into Downton Abbey, a new era here. Um, David, what did you, have, having seen the first one, what did you expect going into this second feature? Do you think that they were going to up, you know, they always have to top the first one. And did you think that this one would be more of an event picture, kind of more of the same of what we got? Was there something from the show that you would have liked to have seen addressed? What did you think? I was expecting more of the same, which was mostly what I got. Like, again, mm -hmm. another extended episode. Ah, uh, I, I have a different opinion about that, but we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. Towards the end, they, they kind of kicked mm -hmm. it up a notch. Yeah, they did. Uh, with, with probably, like, the one the one plot point they really set up heavily in the previous film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, they, paid off the other, they paid off the other plot point they set up in the first film right at the beginning of the film during the credits. <laughs> it's true. Actually, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's fine. Um, uh, Tom getting married to What's-Her-Face. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you can't expect me to pay attention to these movies. Um, no. Melissa, <laughs> there were no car chases. I tuned out. Um, what did you expect uh, or what did you wish for going into the second film? I wanted it to just feel, I wanted it to feel like the show. I wanted it to mm -hmm. feel like some of the things you wanted to see happen for the family started to happen. Um, mm -hmm. You wanted to start to see people. I wanted people to have, I wanted Tom to have his happily ever after, you know, his character, always was my favorite and i always kind of had you know aches for him because like tom barrows yeah okay. yeah yeah there's two toms in this show it's a bit confusing yeah um but like i i i i was really happy with what happened i it this one actually did make me smile and make me kind of giggle a little bit and mm -hmm. and it was kind of nice to have that escape from reality and to enjoy it and feel happy and not have all the tragedy that always seems to follow this family. All right. I don't know why. There's always like massive tragedy. Well, who wants to watch a TV show about where everything goes according to plan and nothing goes wrong? <laughs> okay. Right. I like to live in a warm, happy place. I am bubbles and sunshine. Okay, I, I can't I can't argue that point, but <laughs> uh, I don't even have a sound effect for that. Here, I'll... sure that works. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'm gonna go. Bubbles and go sunshine. And... Let's punch a horse. Yeah, my, my beating a dead horse. Um, anywho, let's let's get into the plot of this and get this uh, review started. In 1928, the Earl of Grantham's widowed son-in-law, Tom, that is a lot to say, Tom Branson marries Lucy Smith of Simple Names. 
Lady Bagshaw's secret illegitimate daughter and sole heir to the Bagshaw estate. Soon after, Violet Crawley, the Dowager Countess of Gratham. I, I, dude, what's with these names, man? David, they're out titled. here. They're titled aristocrats. The, the names are important. Nine and a half hours that... to say. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Mark, there was a whole war over getting rid of this. You're not wrong about that. We discussed that in our previous review. Moving on. Um, informs the family that years ago she was gifted a villa in France, as she the says. south of France, the, the south, south of France, of, the south of France. How she performs that line. I loved. I was. I loved it. It was. It was the Grantham's go on spring break. <laughs> <laughs> it needed more spring break. I'll tell you that much. Um, from the you know from the recently deceased Marquis de Montemonorail, <laughs> who she met in the 1860s. Violet is bequeathing it to her great-granddaughter, Sibby, Tom's young daughter with the late Sybil Crawley. The new Marquis invites the family to visit. The ailing Violet is unable to travel, but Tom and Lucy, Lady Bagshaw, Robert Crowley, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, uh, Abbott and Costello, and Ollie, and uh, Stan, and his wife, Cora, and their daughter, Lady Edith, and her husband, for the love of Christ, Bertie, Pel <laughs> Bertie Pelham, the Marquis of Hexham, Scrooge McDuck, and every except the invitation. Servants Bate, Baxter. This is just all this plot synopsis is just a list of names. And Mr. Carson <laughs> go with them. Yeah, see everyone Meanwhile, Mark and Mr. can struggle with English names too. We really can. <laughs> <laughs> when I try hard enough. Meanwhile, a film production company asked to use the Downton for a silent film called The Gambler. You got to know when to hold them. Come on, David. Know when to fold them. No. Anyone? No? No. No. God damn it. Uh, by the way, that's a bingo square for those of you playing along at home uh, when Mark sings. All right. Although Robert is opposed, his eldest daughter and estate manager, Lady Mary Talbot, says the offered payment will cover replacing Downton's leaking roof. The household staff are eager to see the film stars, but retired butler Mr. Carson considers the venture distasteful, as he does all things, apparently. That's his character. Lady Mary oversees the filming as the family journeys to France. The new Marquis welcomes them to the villa. His mother, Madame Montmer, Montrail, Montague, Montgomery, wants to contest the will, but her son counters that every will his father ever drafted included Violet Crawley. Um, the Marquis tells Robert about the Dowager Countess's visit in 1864. He implies to his son Robert, who was born nine months later, that they could be half brothers. Cora later tells Robert she may be fatally ill, causing him to break down the prospect of losing his mother, his Crawley name, and his wife in short succession. At Downton, the studio cancels the gambler because silent films are... <laughs> because it's the invasion of the talkies, don't you understand? And silent films are no longer financially viable. Lady Mary suggests that director Jack Barber try salvaging the film by dubbing the dialogue. Actor Guy Dexter's voice is suitable, but actresses Myrna Dagasino, regional accent is inappropriate for her upper-class character. Barber persuades Lady Mary to dub uh, Dagwood's voice, featuring fearing her career is ruined. Uh, Dagleach <laughs> refuses to finish the film, but Downton servants Annie and Daisy convince her to continue. Former Downton Footen, Mr. Mosley, who can lip-read, can reconstruct some dialogue and improves other scenes. The family returns to Downton while filming continues. Lady Mary rebuffs Barbara's flirtations, though her husband, Henry's prolonged absence, has strained their marriage. 
Downton's closeted butler. Thomas Barrow accepts Guy Dexter's offer to manage his Hollywood house and be a traveling companion. Dr. Clarkson diagnosed... Wink. <laughs> wink. Uh, Dr. Clarkson diagnoses Cora with a pernicious, pernicious anemia and treatable condition. Cora helps Myrna uh, Daglish develop an American accent, which she may save her career. When the troubled film's unpaid extras walk out, the Downton staff replace them and the film is completed. Yay! Barbara offers Mr. Mosley a lucrative deal as a screenwriter. Mr. Mosley then proposes to Miss Baxter, unaware the entire household overhears on a microphone. In the interim, Violet assures Robert that the previous Lord Grantham was his father and nothing happened with Montmorel, uh, though he pursued her. Violet's health deteriorates and she dies. Aww. Surrounded by loved ones. Mary has Carson the train footman. Andy is the Downton to Butler. Months later, Tom, Lucy, and Lucy return to Downton with their newborn infant. A new portrait hangs in the main hall. The late... The great Dowager Countess. Yes. All right. Take it away, Melissa. What do you think of this movie? I. It was sweet. It really was. I. It was. It was much lighter. It was very lighthearted in comparison to anything else with the with the show. Like it, you, there was comical pieces throughout. Um, it was a fun story. It felt. I don't think they're going to do another one. I think this was kind of the let's let's end it on a happy note. Let's take it away. Um, what? What do you mean? Why? Why do I think? <laughs> no, no. That? With the, let's end it on a happy note with the woman dying. But it, you knew she was going to die. She was ancient, and she died surrounded by everybody. Mm -hmm. Like it was like yeah, she died, but it wasn't like a sad. I, I don't disagree with you. I just yeah. thought it was kind of like a like the funny way to put it. It was like on this happy note of this woman passing away. But, that, but that's not where it ended. It ended okay. with them coming back with the baby and, okay. and all Fair that enough. kind of stuff and the family being together and everybody being a family. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked how it was much lighter. I liked mm -hmm. how it was, you know, it, it was not, it didn't have this weird, like, let's solve, let's, you know, solve some kind of craziness thing um, with, you know, like stolen items and all that. Like, right. I, I liked, you know, I, the, pro, the, the, the stuff with the movie was really fun. This didn't um, seem to be pushing an agenda this time. Like the first no. one did. It cracked me up though, because it <laughs> totally stole from singing in the rain. In um, what way? Because that the whole with the dubbing of the voice was a mm -hmm. huge part of singing in the rain because okay. the main, you know, female lead in singing in the rain, that was like the beautiful, the beauty who could do all of the, the mimicry, but she talked really horribly mm -hmm. um, and them having to, <laughs> you know, have, have her dubbed. So I was kind of giggling at that because it was like, right. okay. <laughs> yeah. To me, I got more of a Hercules in New York vibe. Mm. I don't know that one, so. Well, yeah, I was gonna say that's two different people with two different film experiences. Yeah, you too. Yeah. It, it, it was Schwarzenegger's first American movie, I believe, where he was dubbed. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, Schwarzenegger's first early career work, going up through and maybe just after Terminator, was a lot of "shut up and look pretty." No one can understand you or knows what country you're from. And he was like, "I'm from, like what? <laughs> I'm from Austria." I'm like, nah. If it's not Britain, no one knows where. See, the Britain or Europe. That's all we know. Yeah, yeah. But no, I did. I really liked it. I liked. Okay. I liked how they handled things. I, I thought it was fun. All right. It made me happy. I have more questions for you th uh, through this interrogation. Welcome back, um, <laughs> David. Your first impressions of the film. 
my first impressions were it did feel a lot more like a extended episode, like just the way that the shots were blocked off. The, the first film I thought had a lot more of a cinematic feel to it with the way it was shot. I can't quite explain why, but just some of the, you know, the shot composition was that. Was so you're that talking way. about just the principal photography feature scene yeah. more, more, more tuned to the cinematic experience rather than the television. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that works. Uh, towards the end, it, it did get a bit more cinematic, uh, mm-hmm. and then the second half, uh, like I, I agree, they they wrapped up. I think pretty much all the th- plot threads going in from the show. Like the show ended well, but they certainly left a few through few threads hang, hanging, mm-hmm. or dangling, I should say, and they're pretty much all tied up. So certainly, I think that this could absolutely be the the final end for the series, and I'd be totally okay with that. Though who knows, we might get Downton Abbey three, the search for more money. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, if they, I think they would have to start adding in a bit more characters or coming up with new plot lines, like you know, having Mary stepping into her role as the new countess. What if we bring Lady Gratham back to life through the use of like, <laughs> like electricity, cyborg parts? Like, here's my problem with Downton Abbey: not enough science fiction. Well, Mark, uh, the actor that plays uh, Tom Barrows, he actually did secretly shoot a lightsaber fight storyline uh, between. Uh, shows and you can find it all on youtube it's it's quite well done oh it's like him him and mr bates having a the people in this 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 series they're they're phenomenal i absolutely love them as human beings and like want to be friends with them. yeah they, they have that british sense of humor that just won't will not quit and and mm-hmm. they're, they're quite happy to take fun of themselves like you remember in uh, game of thrones the infamous starbucks cop yes uh, incident yeah, well, they had a, a, a water bottle incident in, a, in an episode of Downton Abbey where someone left their, like, bottled water up on the mantelpiece in one seat, and they got called out for it. So I think uh, the, soon after, there was, like, a magazine article on the cast, and they did, did a group picture, and everyone was holding a bottle of water. Oh, I love that. I, I was going to say, I follow a lot of them on social media, like, on Instagram and stuff, and they're great. They're just great. I yeah, stand so by they're, my yeah they're, they're having fun with it. Oh, what yeah. Downton Abbey needs is a is a car is a like a Subaru with a rocket strapped to it that they can fly into space. So you want the I next Fast and the Furious movie to be Downton yeah, Abbey crossover? Yeah, I need a, I need a Downton Abbey. I think they just uh, casted what's her face Rita Moreno for the next Fast and the Furious movie. That's mm-hmm. not a joke. That that actually broke right before the show started. Yeah, Dom's grandmother is being played okay, by. Okay, I was going to say she's really old. Yeah, I'm hoping she like goes, does car chases and flies into space. Um, and yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, like I, I was happy with like Tom finally getting to have a bit of his piece of happiness. I, like mm. season one, Tom was was very unlikable. He had a giant chip on his shoulder, and you know he he made more trouble than uh, than was good for him. But yeah, over the course of the show, he softened a bit, and you started to appreciate him more as a yeah. fully fleshed out character. I thought it was a bit of a quick. Quick reveal is just kind of he's moping that the the gentleman from the previous previous series uh, or previous film I should say has got a beard and uh, and and then just yeah the guy just basically goes up to him and is like you want to come back to my place like oh I thought you'd never ask yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I, that, reference. I, I agree with you on that it was a little like wait what yeah I'm happy that it happened but yeah it was just like well that was easy like <laughs> guy just pretty much comes in and just throws himself at Tom <laughs> you're talking yeah, about. Like, are you talking about the scene with McNulty at the end? Yeah. It wasn't at the end. I mean, like, it was, yeah, but yeah, that's exactly. Okay. Well, like, like pretty much from the first conversation, it's like, okay, he's totally into him. They're going right. to hook up. 
for people who might be watching this and going, did he say McNulty? And okay, so McNulty is the character that Dominic West, who's the actor, Dominic West is in this movie, and he plays who does he play? Um, do you remember what the character's name is? I'm trying to find him in the cast. It was, it was like Guy. Guy something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he plays uh, Guy Incognito, and um, <laughs> plays the and, actor. And so Dominic West plays Guy. Uh, but Dominic West was also most famously McNulty from The Wire. And so for the remainder of this review, I will be referring to him as McNulty, as that is the only thing I will ever recognize him as. Um, anyway, so yes, McNulty threw himself at Tom. Um, and then at the end, I'll tell you, you know, as somebody who looks for sexual chemistry in, in, in his movies, that had to have been the hottest scene in the entire movie. <laughs> was McNulty and Tom, uh, I guess Tom at the end. Yeah, but um, I won't give a strong uh, second place for Mrs. Patmore at the dinner table at the end. With, with, yes. Yeah, that was just, so sweet. Yeah, the secret to seduction, liquor them up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody else is drinking water. I've got good stuff. Yeah. He's a woman after my own heart. Is there a character named Matthew in this show? Yes. Well, yes. There, there was Cousin okay. Matthew. Great. Yeah. Because we have who, who died in the most hilarious car crash ever recorded on television. We have friends watching on YouTube tonight, and apparently one of them misses Matthew. So if, you, if you've got fun comments, I will put them on the board for you. So thank you, Mr. Keys. Yes, anyway. He, he did a good job, but oh, man, that, that was foreshadowed like the way that Michael Bay uses pyro pyrotechnics. <laughs> okay. Let me let me uh, jump in here. And again, we can kick the ball around um, with this, mm -hmm. but I want to get a few craft elements out if I could, if, if, if I may. Sure. So I disagree with both of you, and your and your opinions are invalid. Um, I, I believe... What else is new? <laughs> hey, welcome to my show. Um, I believe that this was actually a more more of an event picture than the first one. Um, I actually like this one a lot more, and I think it's I think it's something to when you're crafting and developing a sequel. There's always the and I and I think I talked about this with you privately, Melissa, and maybe a bit with you on the show, David. There's always a desire to top your previous uh, effort. You know, you got to go bigger. Like we're we're doing this again. We're going back. We're going back to the well. We got to make it bigger. We got to bring the crowd back. There's got to be a gimmick here, and I feel like, and sometimes that works, and sometimes you know they jump the shark and all of that. I think here, um, having the road trip to the south of France to deal with France to deal with the villa and the family and the drama ensuing in that felt like it gave the movie more stakes than the stuff that happened in the previous movie. The film crew stuff not so much but i think this was an opportunity for help me out with the character's name the lady that was kind of running things in mary mary, mary. It, it, it really put a spotlight on mary that i don't think she had in the first movie um not that i can recall at least i've watched it now twice so in the theater with you and then we watched it last thursday and i feel like here she got more of a chance to shine on the big screen and was more of a centerpiece character. Go ahead, she Melissa. She wasn't a bitch. Mary uh -huh. always a bitch. That, but that's what it is. She okay. traditionally just. Do you think I'm sort of misinterpreting the, her lack of screen time with just the fact that I actually appreciated her on screen this time because she I wasn't being so. a bitch? That's okay. how I think. It she didn't have much to do in the previous film. Thank more, you, David. Yeah. Yeah, right, like certainly, certainly the last season that was that was kind of more her stepping into becoming the yeah the 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 person running Downton and in the previous film we sort of had her talking with uh, 
She's the one who Violet. was dealing with, well, and Carson and, and her trying yeah. to figure out how she was going to do it. I thought there was a lot that dealt with her. Just, it wasn't, it was subtle. Yeah, maybe that would be a better way to put it. Like she did have some stuff to do with subtle, but she wasn't like in the in the foreground running everything. Her work no, was no, sort of going yet. in the back. Right. Royal Which is my point. Yeah. She, I mean, I yes, feel I feel like because they knew they were pushing Lady Grantham down a flight of stairs and out of the picture towards the end, that this was an opportunity to put Mary front and center. And if they're gonna do more of these, now you know, we know who you know, we know who the next Captain America is. So um, I and I appreciated that about the movie. And again, it gave the movie a little bit more depth. It gave it a little bit more gravitas, uh, in my opinion. The other mm -hmm. thing about it was um, having Lady Grantham die at the end. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> those of you are like, damn it, I had no idea. I ruined yeah. the movie for me. Welcome to Damn You Hollywood, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> we're so sorry. No, we're not. Um <laughs> So, you know, no if Robert more. were here right now, he'd be doing a 20 minute bit on screw you and your spoilers. Um, but uh, I, I would tell you that, again, adding some depth to the movie, her passing at the end, sort of the family gathering around her, acknowledging this passing, celebrating her at the end, her connecting with her son. Like, I didn't have the context uh, of why her son was like, was I ever a disappointment? But it seemed very heavy. It seemed like it had a lot of weight to it. Um, can you just like 10 words or less, Melissa? What was the context? Why was he asking her at the end? Was I a disappointment to you? Um, Because he, he, he didn't ever have the male heir and he mm -hmm. just kind of almost lost the estate. And that's why he was with Cora. Um, mm -hmm. Like he just kind of, I mean, he, I think he took himself as being kind of a, more of a bumbling person than he really was. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, uh, again, uh, you could probably get grasp some of this from the movies, but certainly from the series, like, you know, Maggie Smith's character, Violet, the Dow Countess Dowager, she is someone who does not suffer fools well. She is a ball she, buster. I yeah, didn't get that is, at all. Yeah. Yeah. So you could imagine, like, this is the way that she treats people that aren't her, her you know, her, her progeny. You can imagine what what the standards were like growing up in yeah. you know under her in the household. So I yeah. think that was, that was sort of part of it. You know, like, do I ever measure up to her? Like, you, like this is a person who says like, I do not argue, I explain. Yeah, and no, only ever said I was wrong about something on her deathbed. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it's like to not live up to somebody else's standards. <laughs> Anywho, um, <laughs> so uh, that resonated with me though. Um, I hear him say that even without the context of the watching, having watched the show, or really knowing what he was getting at. Uh, I could see the weight behind it. And so it, it was a really good performance. Um, so I think here, uh, A New Era really does make use of the cinematic um, space more so than the mm -hmm. first one did. Uh, moving around as it does, going to the south of France and some other location shots that they use in this movie also I gave it a grander feel. So I think that, um, I, I think overall, this was a better movie in almost every aspect than the first one. And I'm going to give you a chance to kind of respond to that, David. Yeah. Well, first let me say, uh, Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Michelle Dockery. She's a very talented, uh, okay. actress. Rule, rule number one. If you're going to acknowledge the thing on the screen, you have to read the thing on okay, screen. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. So our key says, fun fact, the actor that plays the role of Mary is also a jazz singer in real life. Thank you, David. Yeah. And thank yeah. you, Mr. Keys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, um, I would say, you know, 
when it is my time to go, if, if I'm lucky enough to, to, to be able to put my affairs in order, I hope I face it with as much dignity, grace, and humor as, as Violet does. Like my favorite mm. line of the whole movie, would you please be quiet? I can't hear myself die. Yeah, that's, I want that on my tombstone. Can you make that happen for me, Melissa? I can make that happen for you. She's, <laughs> I, I love, that character is probably one of my most favorite characters. Oh, she's the best. I, but even in the first one, I enjoyed her. You know, the- Her the in confront- the show. Her, well, I would not know that. But um, her her confrontation with What's-Her-Nuts, um, you know, and the uh, and the daughter, that's the maid, that's the daughter that, you know, he's a sister and her yeah. daughter. Um, you know, that whole confrontation, it, it's so- subtle um but it it, but it had so much bite to it which is one of the things i i have come to enjoy about the two films is because of there's so much bombast in the american film landscape it's kind of nice to see you know what eddie Izzard talked about with british cinema where everything is underplayed and subtle and you know and then it comes to america and they have to add explosions to the very same thing (laughs) the very thing david yes the very thing yeah, well, for me coming from a from a, a mostly English family, like that, that is sort of how we talk. Not as posh as all of that, but yeah, you know, there is that sort of that British humor under everything, where it's all very toned down, turns of phrases, kind of like low key sniping. I didn't realize that you were. I, I I've always known you as Canadian and like you know like Japanese, um, yeah. by, by culture. So I didn't realize that you were actually your family's actually from British. And I have to know, like Cockney British. Can we get some Cockney out of you? Give, uh, me, the cockney. Cockney. Give me some of that Cockney there, David. Come on, show me you your Cockney. You guys want to say cock. Knee, Cockney. This is a family show, madam. Behave yourself. Yeah, it's it's like pianist. It's a funny word. It's a fun word to say because you you and know what everyone's hearing. Can you, so can you whip out your Cockney for me? <laughs> uh, no, not on the first date. Oh, God damn it. We've known each other well blowing <laughs> first dates here, sir. Anyway, back, back to you yeah. trying to take this. Lady in the room. Date. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Still in the room, which is impressive. I, uh, I am married to him, so yes, for, for almost thirteen years now. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna pursue that. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for free, one thing I would say is there's sort of as my dad used to say. Uh, that you know, you can sort of tell in a comedy movie series is circling the drain because there's a lot of toilet humor, dick and fart jokes that kind of get added in. Sure. And I almost think you could say the same for dramas where when it gets to the point where they're actually making movies and plays within the movie itself. <laughs> That's like, a really good point. Yeah, the writers are sitting there like, I have no idea what else to write. Uh, let's let's have them make a movie. We know what that's all about. Like there's a, like there's a, an executive from Universal, like context focused features, like, hey, that Downton Abbey movie did really, really good. It sold a lot of tickets. We need another one. They're like, we don't have any fucking story left, man. Like we're done here. Yeah, it's like how Clerks Three is apparently going to be about them filming Clerks in universe. Good. Like I, I think we've we've run out of ideas at this point. Kevin Smith ran out of ideas after Dogma, but that's hardly the issue here. Um, I only have a one other thing to add to this, and then um, if you you know you guys want to give me last words, we can move on. Um, this one also felt felt like it moved quicker. Felt I think the editing mm-hmm. helped here. Um, in terms of there are also elements. a lot of subplots and it changed direction enough times. There's always something going on and something different. Well, you and I talked about this last week with the first one. It doesn't feel cohesive. It feels like it, it, it feels like a television show in that we have these different random plot lines that are just happening in the show, and you don't have to show a tremendous amount of cohesion in a television show. 
because you know you're you're running this over episodes and you're focusing on different things and you're changing perspectives. Um, with a film, I think you have to you have to tie a little bit. You know, even though Ray goes in one direction and Poe goes in another direction, and you know what's his nuts goes in the third direction, they all kind of come together towards the end, towards the main goal of defeating the Empire. You don't necessarily have to do that in a television show, not at least in every episode. Mm-hmm. But that is exactly what happened in the first movie, where it just was like, there's the gay track, and then there's the spoon track, and then there was the king track, and none of these really interacted with each other. Whereas here, I feel like the stuff with the stuff with the villa does play into the grander story, and obviously the filming of the the talkie uh, played into things too. And I felt like they came together to tell you a more cohesive narrative than than not and i'll give yeah. you a chance to respond yeah, just just before i forget yeah daisy yeah. i thought also had a good good part in this film like she's sort of been on the whole you know like free free the working class communist revolutionary bent <laughs> you know it was just kind of nice to see her just be like a smart well-adjusted person mm-hmm. her yeah. character arc has been amazing from like episode one till now because you really do see her grow and mature and like go through that rebellious phase and then mm-hmm. finally kind of mellow out and just be a heart, you know, be, be a strong woman. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right, Melissa, um, you've been sitting quiet for a little bit there. Um, I've said a lot. Anything you want to respond to or give me last words before we move uh, on to the money? It just, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, it mm-hmm. was, as I said, as I said, it, it was such a great wrap up for anything that you would have changed or, or anything that you would have liked to have seen done differently. You can say no if, if you don't think so. I don't think so. In all truthfulness, okay. I like it. I mean, I, I, I won't maybe want them to explore a little bit more with Mary and her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was, I, you know, I, I know he, I guess he didn't, he couldn't do the show. Um, and that was whatever it was. But like, I, I wanted to see them address that a little bit more because I do think that that plays to a modern audience as well. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, but, but again, like it would, it's only a two hour movie. You can't do everything. Right. Um, but I did, I enjoyed it. I liked, I liked seeing some of the character changes. Um, it was nice to see Barrow get a happy ending. You know, he deserves it. Know. <laughs> were, you, were you referring to something else? Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, truthfully, I loved the the ending. I love where you see all of the house servants sitting around the table, and you see the Crowleys around them. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was just so, so kind of, you know, just a great ending. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice visual to go yeah. out on. Yeah, it was. It was really nice to see them all so happy and, and looking so, you know, so posh and being the ones at the table and to see the Crawleys kind of in the background. Um, I thought that was a really good tribute to to those people who really run that house. All right. David, uh, take me home, baby doll. Yep. Like I said, it, if, if this is to be the ending, it's a solid ending. There's not really anything major left undone. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice if they had kind of fleshed out a bit more of the subplots. Again, Tom Barrows just has a guy thrown at him and he's happy now, which again, you're happy for it, but it just kind of happens. I mean, who isn't happy when men are being thrown at them? I mean, really? Yeah, it's raining men. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. 
That was for you, Mark. Uh, and, and, yeah, we, we kind of we kind of skipped the whole romance with other Tom. At the, you know, they just start with the wedding at the start, which like I didn't need to see it, but it was just okay. That happened. Um, <laughs> but again, like you say, it's a two-hour movie. We we have to sort of pick your uh, pick your battles, pick your stories, yep. and yeah, like again, it it, it it was a nice happy ending. The the line continues. If they really wanted, they could probably take it further into the future, though eventually they're going to have to decide what they want to do with the Second World War. Yeah. Can we go way into the future, like 2025, you know, like Downton Abbey, but on like a Star Trek ship? That would be that would be kind of fun and interesting, but I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> that, was, that, that, would, that would go down as probably the most interesting sequel slash spinoff in history. Isn't that how Discovery went? It was like, we're in this year, we're in this year, we're... 100 years from now. Yeah, this isn't working. Screw it. Shove everything <laughs> off the desk. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Pike's last words as Discovery goes into the future is like, we must erase all records of this incident. <laughs> Please do that with Downton Abbey. I just want somebody to be like inventing a time machine and be like, nothing works. And like throwing everything off the desk, like you said. Um, Downton Abbey in space. Oh, God. And when you add in space to things, it is time for the money. If you are watching this for the first time because you're friends of ours, or at least a friend of Melissa, and you're like, wait, what are they doing now? That was Again, the sorry of- for the spoilers. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, this is, uh, we are a three-segment show, and this is segment two, where we talk about the financials, we talk about um, how well the movie did, how well it might do, we do some predictions. Um, for most of the time, for my guests, this is the worst part of the show, but it's the part that Robert and I like the best, and it's our goddamn show, so fuck off. Um, so here we go. <laughs> my favorite part on a budget of 54 point no, sorry, on a budget of 40 million dollars at the time of this recording, which is the Tuesday after it premiered the previous Friday, it has earned 54.2 million dollars. Presumably, this thing will get to 100 million, it'll be profitable. Um, do you remember, Dave, off the top of your head, what the first one made? I do not. All right. Um, there it is. On a budget of $20 million on the high end, the, that one made $200 million. So my only hesitation, and David, you and I have, you know, you have watched me and Robert document this over time. The world has changed significantly since 2019 in terms of um, movie finances in that you have now the 45-day window standard which means for those of you who like, what did he just say? Uh, in a month and a half, it's going to be on Peacock or some yeah. other streaming service. Presumably yeah. Peacock is focus feature is universal. Yeah. Uh, I'm so, sure it'll do well on streaming. Like this isn't a film you have to go see in the theater. It, it but, but that's, but that's going to hurt its bottom line, which is the whole yeah. point. You know, they, they greenlit a second one. Um, they shortly started after filming the this before one. the pandemic. Yeah. I was going to say I, they started filming this before they knew the world was going to end. So, you know, they were like, oh, well, surely this one, if the first one made almost $200 million, certainly the second one will, maybe even more. And then it's like, then the whole world changes and the entire film landscape changed. So I don't know how much, I, I think it'll get to $100 million, but I might be wishing upon a star. What do you think, Dave? Uh, not unrealistic. You, you would think, like, again, with this being the, a movie from a seven-series TV show, you know, the, the, the fan base is pretty much there and constant at this mm-hmm. point. So, yeah, I would totally not blame any of the producers for going like, well, the first one made $200 million. Pretty much everyone that went to see that liked the show, and they'll probably go and see the next one. So yeah. we can pretty much bet on $200 million, then right. pandemic, and 
Yeah, and so now. those same people now just stay home because who wants to go to the movies and possibly catch a cold? Yeah. Um, listen, Melissa, I know that you study film as much as I do, especially the financial end of it. And it's oh, yeah, like one totally. Of, one of, yeah, one of your passion subjects. So you want to take a crack at this? Do you think it goes north or south of 100 million, which is where it needs I to be? I think it'll profitable. barely hit it. You think it'll barely hit it? Okay. It'll barely hit it. I think, truthfully, I think it'll be in the 90s. I don't know if it'll hit mm -hmm. 100. And then right. it, it is because not as many people are going to the movies and the people that love Downton Abbey, it's an older crowd too. They're right. the ones that aren't ready to come back out necessarily. So they're well, the ones that might not go. Right. But not, a, but the other side of this though, is that as Robert Winfrey likes to say, Peacock's not a real service and nobody has it except if you're a WWE fan. So that's the other side of this. People going, well, I want to watch it at home. What's it on Peacock? What's that? So, yeah. you know, <laughs> plus or minus. Um, you might anyway. do good in home video sales. Yeah, maybe maybe when it goes PVOD, people are like I'll just rent it because I don't know what a peacock is, or they'll buy it on iTunes or something. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean by PVOD. Um, all right, so here's the weekend that was um, from May 20th to May 22nd. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Missed Opportunities, uh, third week in the number one spot. David, wow. David, David. We talked about this on the Doctor Strange review that by the time it got to Downton Abbey, this thing was not going to be the number one movie, and it beat it. Doctor Strange took down Abby into the corner and beat its face in. What do you think about that? Uh, it makes sense. I mean, you know, Marvel movie, those are big. They appeal to a bigger crowd. The mm -hmm. Abby, as much as it's a popular, well-regarded show, it is its own niche audience. I, I, was, I was not expecting this film to set the world on fire. Women and old people. It was, you know what I mean? It was a PBS show. Our contention was that after two weeks and not a lot of hype, anymore about Doctor Strange a lot you know the sort of an anti-hype where it's like oh it's not what we thought this was going to be that by this point there would be enough of a fall off I mean um, let me look at the chart again yeah we had a we had almost a 50% fall off in theaters for Doctor Strange from the previous two weeks that's what I'm saying that that was why I contended that Downton Abbey was going to win the weekend I I'm shocked that it debuted at number two is my point um, which it did, and then the bad guys fell from two to three. Yeah. Sonic the all, Hedgehog too. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, all I have to say is like, but Mark, Doctor Strange is not an A-list Marvel character. Nobody wants to see us Doctor Strange movie. Marvel Studios are, is failing now, and they're not making money anymore because nothing makes as much money as Endgame. Stop bullying my friends, David. Leave Chris Bailey alone. Um, <laughs> so moving on, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two currently, I think the most highest performing video game movie in the history of film. Uh, seven weeks on the charts, dropped from three to four. Men, 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 debuted at number five. Um, what is men? Men. What are you, are you asking? What men is? Yes. It's, it's clearly it's a movie. Men. Okay. Manly men. Dave knows what I'm talking about, right, Dave? I, I I do know a little bit about men, but <laughs> I, I think you know. I think you're not think selling, I think you're, this discussion. I think you're selling yourself short. I think you know quite a bit about men. Anyway, they beat at number four, five. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Which can I talk talk to you about this movie for a second? I'm pissed off, Melissa. I tell you, why I'm pissed you, off. Why are you pissed off now? Because I was promised PVOD on everything, everywhere, all at once on May 17th. And I scheduled around it because I am the schedule. And then I look again and it's not PVOD. You can buy you can buy it. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can buy pre-order, but it's not coming out to like the middle of June now for PVOD. Screwed up my whole calendar. Goddamn, pal. Can you believe it? Pronouns, pal. 
Thank you, Vince. See, that's how you know you've been with me a while. She gets my references. Yeah, I do. And that fell from five to six. Firestarter, which nobody saw uh, <laughs> and is currently day and date on Peacock, fell from four to seven because, of course, it did. Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of uh, Snoring fell from six to eight. The Lost City. Still hanging nine. in there. I'm <laughs> impressed. Uh, not by much, though. The Northman, one of the best movies of the year, another focus feature, uh, fell from seven to ten. Uh, Family Camp nine to eleven. The unbearable weight of massive talent, uh, ten to twelve, and bomb. Is that the else. is that the one with Nicholas Cage? Yeah, that certainly is Ollie. Um, debuting at number thirteen is two thousand mules. The roundup at nineteen. Good morning at twenty six. Hold your fire at thirty five. Fire in the mountains at forty and Mondo Kane at forty one. Um, where we stand worldwide. <laughs> Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is currently your number one movie in the world with 800 million. It has passed the Batman, David. The first one to do so all year. <laughs> this, uh, you know, we talked about whether it is, is the billion dollar picture dead. Doctor Strange might be the one to keep that whole thing afloat. So Robert and I have been Spider-Man in it, and only one X-Man. I know, I know, and we and Robert and I have been saying like this: this might not get to a billion, but it's only got two hundred thousand left to go. Um, I, I think people at Marvel, Disney are quite happy with how things are going. No, 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 no one's jumping out of a window. And look, they're not. It's not like it's Sony or you know. Um... <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, we're still making money hand over fist. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fine over at Disney. Um, that uh, brings us to the Batman, all three hours of it, at 769. I, I I think the people at Warner Brothers probably didn't jump out the window, but that's still, I, I still say that it didn't make a billion. They're like, what do we have to do? What are we, James Gunn's it's movie didn't three underperformed. Hour movie. What did you, yeah, real quick, Melissa. Um, so you were scared to death of the Dark Knight 100 years ago, uh, and you just saw the Batman for the first time. What did you think of it, real quick? I couldn't finish it. Yeah, I mean, Hollywood, do you not have bladders? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> got him. Oh, you got him. <laughs> Almost angry dragon me. He was my new favorite person. I didn't, that, that's no, not I hard. mean, like, I, I just, I couldn't keep doing it. It was just like, oh my gosh. And it's so dark. Like, like, like honestly, if you're going to do three hour films, you can at least have a film at the like two hour, two and a half hour mark, where just the characters turn to the film and say, like, this isn't going to be an important. You have time to take a piss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Run. <laughs> just, just a sign that comes up that says pee break. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. In terms of the money, rewatchability is a factor. You know, everyone went to go see Avatar 800 times when that was in theaters. And that's why it made two billion not i know not you but you like crap so it's fine um didn't like so, avatar so you know that's why it made almost three billion dollars in its day um 100 years ago so I, I think to your point melissa most norms most normies won't do a three-hour movie in theater um and they certainly aren't going to do it more than once if they do you know run that marathon and that's going to affect your bottom line uh watergate bridge which is the which is yet another chinese chinaman uh <laughs> propaganda movie currently at number three in the world at 626 million uncharted 400 million fantastic beast 388 sonic the hedgehog climbing the charts number one with a bullet 375 too cool to kill 217 nice view 211 the bad guys at 183 and finally at number 10 knocking out morbius as it should because it sucked the lost city 
starring Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock at 176 million. Can I uh, say I'm so happy that the bad guys is doing as well as it's doing? And I why are you so happy that the bad guys is doing as well as it's doing, Melissa Rattledge of the Screaming Boy podcast? Because it gets kids to read books. <laughs> okay. I'm Just gonna. I mean, like, look, the teacher in me is gonna come out and say that my second grade class, I had more than half of my kids start reading this series mm -hmm. because their parents said, you read the first two books or you read the first book and I'll take you to the movies. And they devoured these books. Mm -hmm. because, and now they're like, what else can I read that's like this? Well, that's cool. So, yeah, and I'm so and I'm, I'm sure that I'm I'm sure that absolutely contributed to the movie's bottom line because it was like, oh, I read this in school. I want to go see it on the screen now. Exactly. Actually, I'm, 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 I gotta see. I wonder if it's it's not PVOD at all, is it right now? What the bad guys? Bad guys. Uh, I'd have to look, and I'm and, and we're doing a show right now, so I'm not gonna look at my phone. Okay. <laughs> look at. Tell me later because that might be what we watch on Thursday for movie day. I got you. All right. Um. Well. Whatever Downton Abbey does, it's done being the, the even the number two movie of the weekend. The number one movie of this weekend is going to be Top Gun Maverick, and it's going to own your soul until Jurassic World comes out. Apparently, Top Gun Maverick, Dave, is uh, just firing things up. It's getting rave reviews from men. Men, um, as we like to say. I've even seen a few women say nice things about it. I, I, I hope. Well, have you um, seen who's in it? besides Tom Cruise, who are you about? There's a few of them. Like every time I see the preview, I'm like, oh, who's that? Don't say Miles Teller or Robert Winfrey will come from Utah and beat you upside the head. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else in that cast, if you think it's, that's fine. But don't say you're Miles Teller. He'll, he'll, he'll hurt you. And I won't, and I can't stop him. He's better at jujitsu than I am. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, Top Gun Maverick apparently is getting rave reviews from critics. Um, screeners where they had they actually had like real people at them think it's just the best thing ever apparently despite the fact that it's been delayed more times than morbius and new mutants um and you know they started uh, i think development on this thing during the 17 you know uh the 1700s there, and, there was an attempt to do a top gun too right after the first film but they mm -hmm. the studio didn't want to pay for them to do any more like aerial recording so. sure it, look it, i think it's know. a sound strategy to wait 40 years to do a sequel it's fine Anywho, it's not um, been 40 years, 86. That's still not 40. It's close enough. I round it up. Shut up. Bite. <laughs> oh, that's right. Tongue. You're almost 42 rounding up. You're also hey. talking to a teacher. <laughs> Top gun, Melissa Radledge. Um, so anyway, aren't you glad you did this tonight? I'm really wanting to walk in and just throttle your. It throat. would be the first. That would be a first. First time I got assaulted on the show because somebody was in the room with me. <laughs> um, except for when maybe when Jason and I do our topless podcast, I, I, I can tell you, Melissa, a lot of people would be very envious if you did that. <laughs> They're like, wait, there's a way that we can get on the show and assault him? That would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> anywho, <laughs> this is where we have a no, stu no in studio audience policy. Yeah, yeah. Robert, we're going, no, Melissa, stop. Your hands are too weak. Yeah, let me help you. <laughs> let me be your hand. Anyway, Top Gun Maverick is going to kick ass this weekend. Um, in second place will most likely be Bob's Burgers. So I have a sneaking suspicion. Um, I think the number one movie of the weekend will be Top Gun Maverick. Doctor Strange will be two. Bob's Burgers, three. And then Downton Abbey will fall down to four. Um, you and think then it'll stay that high? Downton Abbey? Yeah. Uh, I, 
don't see why not. Um, it's only it's, it's like yeah. I said. I would also point out that probably movies. a lot of the Downton Abbey uh, uh, demographic is probably not the type to just run out and go see something opening weekend. Like, they'll, yeah. they'll, like, well, we'll go whenever. Right. So while everyone else is seeing Top Gun Maverick or Bob's Burgers, like they might go see it. It's like, oh, it'll be a little empty, a little less. Yeah, it might be a slow burn, but yeah, I don't think it's going to set the world on fire. And as you can see, there are no good wide release movies uh, in June 3rd because I think everything I think everyone just wanted to get out of Top Gun's way. Uh, So the next major motion picture that's going to be the number one movie of the weekend and start cutting into other people's worldwide takes will be Jurassic World Dominion, which I think will then pretty much put an end to the summer. Yeah. Uh, so that is the money. All right. Uh, in our next segment, for those of you playing the home game, we will be doing what is called the critical review. And we started this because I just got really interested in what critics were saying about movies. And the way Rotten Tomatoes works, for people that don't know, is um, you as a reviewer, of which I am not. Why am I not a reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes? Maybe it's because I don't have enough followers and enough listeners and enough viewers, but I don't see why that should stop me. And Fat Guy at the Movies is on there. Fat Guy at the Movies. It's the bane of my existence, Melissa. That's why I'm so mad all the time. Because if Fat Guy at the... Kevin Carr, a Fat Guy at the Movies, can be on Rotten Tomatoes, why can't I? Mark Radelich of the Screaming Boy Podcast. Anyway. <laughs> Shut up, Melissa. I, I, I can see your thoughts. Um, so anyway, the critical review. Uh, people post their reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and then Rotten Tomatoes takes a line of that review and posts it, and that's what's featured. And I used to enjoy reading those to Robert to see if I could cause him to have an aneurysm. So, and I've succeeded on many occasions. I didn't think it would be that hard. It's harder than you think. But um, so, and if you've ever actually, if you've actually actually watched Robert have a live on air conniption, it is wildly entertaining. So you two now, and David, you've done this bit before. You have, you yep. now have to be Robert, okay? I have to see if I can cause you to have a conniption, which means you get to be Alexis. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah, you. You get to be Alexis, Robert, and David has to be Robert in my cosplay of, of the critical review. So here we go. Are you ready? All right. Um, actually, I want to put that back up there. Uh, Mark, Thor, Love, and Thunder will end the summer. I don't know, man. I, more people like dinosaurs than they like, you know, girl Thor. So think about that. And remember, I hang out with comic people. They don't like girl Thor. Um, all right. So Downton Abbey, A New Era. The critics were like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then, you know, the people who actually saw the movie were like, it's the best thing ever. What the hell, man? What a surprise. Uh, People that yeah, like the show like the movie. Yeah, I'm not I trying know. to be dismissive. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So that's an 85% fresh tomato from the um, from the professional critics and then a 97% audience score. While Downton Abbey's frothiness <laughs> comes close to curdling, a new era's familiar comfort will please longtime fans. It is writing like that, which is why we all have like mild to massive headaches by the end of this bit i wish they were getting her coffee when they wrote that (laughs) i hope susan granger one of our favorites on here from ssg syndicate melissa get a load of this 
If you're an avid fan of the PBS series and film franchise, you'll relish this highly satisfying sentimental reunion. But if you're not acquainted with the backstories, this sequel may be bewildering. What do you think about that? What would be bewildering about... There's nothing like... I, I feel like you could almost go into this movie having not seen anything. Yeah. I, as somebody who hasn't seen anything, I was fine with it. It just felt like a movie. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, there's, there's uh, a couple of things you might not be all up on. But, yeah, you can you can figure out the broad strokes of what's going yeah. on. Speaking of broad strokes, the, for, the future ex-Mrs. Winfrey, Tanya Lamb of Lola Lamb Chops. I miss Robert now. Where are you, Robert Winfrey? I need, he, to, he I need abandoned, to harass you. He abandoned you. Oh, yeah. He noped out on this right quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Downton Abbey, a new era, delights fans of the Crawley family with an exceptional new chapter, next chapter, as they come into modern times, always adapting with class and social commentary. Your idea of what modern times is is very generous. I love that. <laughs> but it's modern for them. <laughs> um, Carl like, I mean, you can write the same review of 10 million BC or 10,000 BC by Rupert <laughs> Emmerich. Yeah, bringing these right. pavement into modern times, building pyramids. Carla Renata of the Curvy Film Critic, yet another one I like to pick on. Dominic West and Laura... McNulty, motherfucker. Dominic West and Laura Haddock as the ill-fated silent film stars seeking acceptance are standouts. And of course, what is Downton without the comedic wryness of the legendary Maggie Smith? Fans of the franchise will be deliciously delighted. It's a good use of alliteration there, madam. <laughs> That's the trick. That's how you become a writer. Clearly. She doesn't really mention anything about uh, the, the actors other than that they exist. Yeah, that was deeply unhelpful. Kevin Carr, the bane of my existence, a fat guy at the movie, says, it is a perfectly charming and wonderful British drama. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not a whole lot. I mean, he's not wrong. Thanks, Kev. <laughs> Kevin Carr, a fat guy at the movie, says water is wet. Thank you, Kevin. Um, <laughs> Ian Thomas Malone of Ian Thomas Malone. Come on, say the thing, David. Say the thing, because Robert's not here. Say the so goddamn I'm thing. One more time for the people in the cheap seats. You self-employed loser. He said the thing. He said the thing. Thank you. I was quoting Robert for the record. <laughs> the film's pacing is perpetually rushed. The scenes awkwardly written to accommodate characters with nothing else to do. The supporting bench overstuffed with far too many returnees. Oh, I don't agree with any of that. There's like I, yeah. only, there's really like one scene that sort of felt put in there just for just for fun, and that was uh, Carson buying the hat. That yeah. was adorable, though. Well, it was adorable, especially the little joke is like, "Oh, you know, your wife will pay for it." Yeah, the film actors are actually married in real life. Linda Holmes of NPR, top critic, Red Star. They get paid for this. This is a professional gig right here. Also, NPR, what your taxpayers, what, what your taxes are paying for, people who live in America. There is no, I want you to know, your money paid for what I'm about to read. Your hard-earned money. You know that $60 per gas tank that you got to fill up here right now? Some of that to NPR. There is no gas in the tank. There is no water in the well. There is no effort in this review. And there is no hole in the wash tub. Um, <laughs> fucking Linda Holmes. Okay. Um, here's one for you, David. Rodhayan, uh Simon Pillow Ply of Now Toronto, top critic. 
the trials and tribulations of passive income earners, where every other scene seems to be a discussion over tea and crumpets on who is inheriting what and is almost delightfully absurd this time around, Melissa. What do you think about that? I think he's a Red Star top critic because he's a communist. Yeah. I agree with you. Did you want anything else there? Yeah, yeah, for you. You have to work for a job writing reviews of movies. So many of these people hate their jobs. Yeah. Instead of yeah. hoping that the army doesn't come through your village and rape your wife and enslave your children <laughs> and kill you and take all your stuff. That's David yeah. having an aneurysm. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> it gets annoying when I get like, you know, we must defeat the upper classes and you know, and, and get rid of their blase life. So it's like, you are the 1%, buddy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, you know, seriously, I didn't know how this bit was going to go, but when I could piss I'm David afraid, off. I'm afraid you're not in the 0.001%. <laughs> All right. We got David's dander up. The, the, our resident Canadian who even killed. Boy, not since you stole the plot synopsis from Robert two weeks ago at Doctor Strange have I seen the monster come out of David. We had Once a again, deadline. <laughs> not at that time. Um, by that point, everyone had quit for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of quitting, Johnny Oleksinski of the New York Post, top critic. What was once... I, I'm, I'm going to need you both to lose your shit on this. because Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. What was once, Melissa, don't you understand? A sophisticated, edgy, witty, sexy rrr, drama series has become The Love Boat, season 10. And that, my friends, is a dated reference, but I, I regret... Moving on. Uh, what was once a sophisticated, edgy, witty, sexy drama series has now become The Love Boat Season 10. Though these wax figures love is even less exciting and new than that old show. Get him, Winfrey! Uh, I'm guessing he's not familiar with the show at all. I was gonna say, I, wait, I, why is he comparing it to The Love Boat? I don't... I mean, it was pretty much the love boat in season one. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I, like the first main storyline is we need to hook up Mary and cousin Matthew so she can inherit the estate. Right. And well, then, and, you know, and she's like five seasons of will they, won't they crap. She's sneaking into bedrooms and killing guys. I didn't realize we were doing murder mysteries in Downton oh, Abbey. I would have hooked me earlier if you had. Mary sneaks into the bedroom of a visiting diplomat mm -hmm. to hook up with him, and they hook up, and he dies in the middle of it. And so then they have to go get rid of the, get the body back to the bedroom where he should be. Because, you know, and naked man in, in, in dead in bed. Yeah. Questions would be asked. Yeah. Questions. And then, like, so, like, the whole thing was, like, her and Matthew. She's, like, Matthew's, not, you know, because then she starts to fall in love with him. And she's, like, he's never going to want me. I'm compromised. I, I'm not a virgin. And he's, like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. And this is Outlander you're talking about. No, that would be Downton. Great. It was rain, right, on the CW? <laughs> I mean, there's that in that, too. <laughs> Yeah. Turkish diplomat, Pamuk, Mr. Pamuk. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep, thank you, Arkees. All right, well, folks, that is our show. That's the fastest we've done. A, 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 I really like when there's people in chat who know the names of all the characters who can fill I know. them. <laughs> and we, he, I know! Like, oh, sir. Good. Thank you. Thanks for the assist. Oh, no, the, the chat since we've gone to video is fantastic when people are actually watching. Um, so this, David, don't you understand? This is the fastest we've ever done Damn You Hollywood. We are usually at like two hours. Like we wrapped up this whole thing in just over an hour. How do you feel about that? 
feel like we, I feel like we should just talk for another hour. Who wants to take a BDSM quiz? Who's ready? No. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that escalated quickly. It's your turn, David. No, um, we're done. All right. Uh, so let's get into plugs. So real quick, uh, for the rest of the week, we've got uh, tomorrow, uh, Unspoken Issues, Extreme Justice from over at their source material. That's Jesse Starcher's show. Tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom, um, the Metal Hammer of Doom Extra, I'm going to talk about uh, nude beaches, and I'm going to talk about, what else did I do this past weekend? There's something else I did. That, that, that's, burlesque uh, show. Oh, yeah. I got to talk about the burlesque show. Yeah. Um, there, we may also review a music video by Def Leppard. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? But I am definitely going to tell in vascular detail, I will be talking about the nude beach and the burlesque show. So tune in to that. And then audio only after that, we will be reviewing the new Watain album, The Ecstasy of uh, The Ecstasy of something or other. The Ecstasy of The Ecstasy, The Agony, Melissa, and Ecstasy of Watain. What do you think about Watain, Melissa? You like him? What? what, what? <laughs> What's a Watain? Yeah. It's metal, man. It's what men listen to. Men. I'll take my music, <laughs> thanks. That's okay. Um, so yeah, we'll be reviewing that on the Metal Hammer of Doom tomorrow night. Thursday, uh, we're back with another Four Kings of Boxing. We're up to Leonard versus Hearns 2, and then a special Friday show. I've got uh, Christian coming on with Al Sedano of the Warlock and Thanos podcast to do DMZ, which is a sh brief uh, four-episode miniseries on HBO Max uh, that was based on, I believe, the DC comic. There'll also be a source material for Mad Balls. Um, David and I reviewed Top Gun from 1986 last night. That's now in the archives. And also because we're celebrating all things fighter jet, myself and Pat Mullen a couple of years ago did an alternative commentary for the uh, greatest aviation movie in the history of motion pictures, Iron Eagle, David. And... Uh, statement but sure <laughs> totally 80s pat mullen says it's better than top gun that's what i'm going with and there's not excessive shots of kelly mcginnis's teeth in iron eagle it's a superior movie in every way so there's an alternative commentary for that currently up in the archives all right melissa go ahead and do your plugs would you like to plug your snapchat would you like to plug your amazon wish list is there anything social media you your instagram your facebook no nope. Yeah, no, you know, no, no, no I mean, like, I do have an Amazon. Where can all right of your fans, now. where can all of your vast array of fans that you have acquired over the years through your animal magnetism <laughs> find you in the world to communicate with you, to send you pictures and love? Where can they find you, Melissa Rattledge of the Screaming Boy podcast? If they need to find me, they already know how. <laughs> okay. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Mark, what do I want to plug? Um, I don't know. Do you, don't you actually have like a teacher wish list? I do on Amazon, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head. David. <laughs> I don't do this stuff. This is all you. I'm like, I just go teach second grade. Okay. I got two more days left. Okay. You're going to come back on again. What are we going to get you on for next? What do you want to do next? What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Jurassic World? No. You want to talk about Thor, Love and Thunder and Girl Thor? No. Should we get you on for Anaconda with you and Jason Teasley? Because your Anaconda don't want none unless it's got buns, hon? That would be correct. She knows okay. you so well. 
She really does. For almost 14 years. 14 years together. All right, David, what are you doing next with me? What are we doing together? We're doing Top Gun Maverick. That's right, buddy. In Have two fun. Weeks, a few years in the, ma in the making. <laughs> yes, more delays than new mutants. All right, folks, uh, that's all for me. Thanks. I'm driving for the lovely, the vivacious, the Snapchatty, Melissa Radledge. <laughs> I thought you were talking about me for a second there. For the lovely and vivacious and Snapchatty, David Wright. Oh, you tease. <laughs> That's me. Be well, be safe, and behave.